Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Nineteen ninety four was a landmark year for both music and film. Somewhere in that whirlwind of Dookie and the Shawshank Redemption, the downward spiral and Forrest Gump, and the Blue Album and Pulp Fiction was Lucas. No, not the nineteen eighty six Corey Hay movie. I'm talking about the Danish rapper Lucas and his single Lucas with the Lid Off. The song was in regular rotation on MTV, thanks partly to a Michelle Gondry directed music video. This week, Tony Hartman returns to the show to discuss this jazz rap slash electro swing jam. Did we catch the vibe or was he a blunder? Stay tuned to find out. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So Tony, you are joining the coveted three-timers club 
on one hit thunder. How do you feel about that? Oh, it's four. Yeah. I just got the signal. It's four times. Yeah. So we did Crazy Town. We did Rude from Magic. And what? Crash Test Dummies. Crash Test Dummies. Wow. Okay. Four timer. You might be the most frequent guest on the pod. I don't know. We'd have to research that. But we're here to talk about, I don't know, man. We might be talking about the best or most interesting song yet. We're talking about my favorite Danish rapper of all time. That would be <laughs> Lucas. I think this is this is one. I, I feel like I have some equity in the show at this point. Yeah. And instead of, instead of cashing out and selling my shares, I think this is the one that I was just like, dude, have you guys ever considered doing Lucas with the lid off by Lucas? Right. And it was very much presented like as bait to like, yeah, I want to I want to talk about Lucas with the lid off for sure. Well, that's <laughs> that's a great setup, man. What made you first and foremost want to talk about Lucas with the lid off? Man, it's wild. So this is like a rare 90s song that I don't think I I don't think crossed my mind since like it's a weird thing because I'm sure, you know, if you guys did did some research you saw this came out in 1994 yeah which is wild because i don't remember it until middle school which would have been like pretty much late 90s for me but it was like a it was definitely like an inside meme with some of my friends when i was like 12 or 13 because i just remember thinking it was funny because it's a funny song when you're a kid just like how it sounds for sure Mm mm-hmm but it's, I just remember thinking like, man, this guy loves his name. <laughs> we just see like CDs at the store and find Lucas album, Lucas centric single Lucas with the lid off. And it's just a picture of his face. Yeah. So I remember thinking as a kid, like that's pretty funny. And my friend and I, like my, my friend, Sean, who was like my first friend that had the internet. Like I remember going over his house and just being like, well, what should we look up? And I'm pretty sure we were just like, Lucas with the lid off because we talk about it all the time. And I, we probably found like a message board or something like either about like Lucas or about Danish rap or something. But it, it, it was pretty fascinating. But I don't recall thinking about this song from the age of 12 to now, like like mid 30s. I got a text from my friend, Sean. He works at a, a record store in Columbus and he's like, hey, look what's in the bargain bin. And it was Lucas-centric. And I was like, whoa. I think there was easily 13 years where maybe I hadn't really thought about that song in between. We're, I'm sure we're going to talk about the music video. Yeah. But apparently, you know, like my first thought was to like rediscover the song by going to YouTube. And there was no evidence of that no, video. No, no there's not. <laughs> I, I watched a very grainy version of it on yeah. Vimeo. I don't know. Oh, if you you, thought, I, I found on Daily Motion, which is like <laughs> YouTube and Vimeo's like cousin that like got into pills mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> and it's like real. That's like pretty like borderline sketch internet if you're going on Daily Motion. But it's an amazing video. It's probably one of the best music videos ever made. So not only do you say that, but, but Slant Magazine named it the 20th best music video of all time. Uh, the video, Whoa. which was made by Michelle Gundry, uh, in one continuous take, took 17 attempts to get perfect. Yeah. They had no post-production, but it was nominated for the Best Music Video Grammy, but it lost to Rolling Stone's Love is Strong. I, so I saw that fact before, <laughs> and do you guys remember the Love is Strong video? Nope. No. It is just the Rolling Stones are just really big. 
Like they're they're just like walking, Whoa. like they're like stepping over like trees, and so you're saying the Grammys got it wrong. The, they're just big. Like it's I don't know, not man. a good. That sounds great. It's not a good video. It's a terrible song. Your love is strong, but I'm so weak. You well, you're saying the Rolling Stones weren't putting out bangers in 1994? No. That, that does not compute. And there's a lyric in this Rolling Stones song that says, it's it's like one of the main lyrics that says, you make me hard. That's, like, that's, one, of the, that's one of the lyrics of the song is you make me hard. Like, it's a horrendous song. Not They're just big. They're just... I don't get it. They're just big. Also, black and white music video, like the Lucas with the lid off video. Oh. Well, oh. and then it was also nominated for a VMA for best male video, but it lost to Tom Petty's You Don't Know How It Feels. And I got to comment on that, too. Yeah. Isn't that just him performing? <laughs> no. It's kind of like there's stuff going on behind him. Like the first half of the Tom Petty video is like a close up on his face. Definitely the hottest Tom Petty ever looked. So <laughs> okay. watch the video. Tom Petty looks pretty hot in this video so i thought maybe and it's a very colorful video unlike the other two we're talking about really brings out the blue in tom petty's eyes looking real hot and then at some point the camera kind of pulls back and you see like there's a bunch of like stuff going on behind him the video was a little bit better than the rolling stones video the rolling stones video was horrible but am i the only one that didn't know there was a grammy category for music videos <laughs> i also did i'll not tell you that. what the only reason why I mentioned what won was because I looked at the list of nominees and I had never heard of or seen any of these videos. So I don't even think the Grammys know that they have a best music video category. Oh, it, it seems like that category was added to give it to the Rolling Stones at that point of the year. <laughs> Imagine, like, looking back on culture, if there was a moment where Lucas stormed the stage and said, Mick, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> but Lucas, myself... Yeah. <laughs> Had the greatest music video right. of the year. <laughs> and he would have been right. You know? Yeah, so absolutely. so the video for anyone who hasn't seen it is one of those one shot music videos that are very popular for everybody from OK Go to I don't know. It's been done a, it's been done so many times, but it's always well, usually a very good way to make a music video. I had to look. So it's technically the, the the official category for it's best music video, but they they refer to it as best video slash short form. Mm. So it includes music videos or or YouTube, you know, TikTok, DVD, yeah. DVD releases, whatever, anything that's like a short form video. This is how off base the Grammys are, though. Uh, so it started in 1984. The first recipient of it was Duran Duran for Girls on Film. The third recipient was U.S. for Africa's We Are the World music video. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's a total plant for sure. Yeah. A anyway, the, the music video is good. And actually, the song is the song is pretty good. And you had to, the song had to be good and the music video had to be good because 1994 is a stacked year. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, 1994 might be the best year of like music and film yeah we're talking dookie the downward spiral the blue album like the, the list just goes on and on of like you're like whoa so to like to make an impact in 1994 you had to really like cut their beck beck mellow gold was this year like you had to yeah. really do something special obviously lucas had faith in himself 
that he could do something special. He had so much faith that he named literally everything about his, his you know, approach to branding after his name, Lucas, which is really impressive. <laughs> right. But I will say as amazing as a year for, for music as that is, like think about dancing, which is something people obviously like equate very closely with music. It seems like it was a rough time for dancing. We're pre-Macarena. Okay. If you notice when you do look up this song on YouTube, the only thing that comes up for the most part is uh, a lot of b-boy dance videos, which is like, in my opinion, the most impressive, incredible form of dance. It's chaotic. It's almost like the jazz of dance in a way. Ah. And I think it's so impressive. It looks really cool. And there's a lot of b-boy dance videos to the song because I otherwise don't understand how one would dance to this song. Aside from it being like, literally, you got to, you know, take the lid off and just like let yourself go and kind of figure it out on the fly. Because this, you know, it's it seems like it was a challenging time to dance for sure. You you had to catch the vibe, as Lucas would say right from the start of this song. And I think you could only catch that vibe if you were the son of one of the co-founders of Pottery Barn, as Lucas, as Lucas <laughs> yeah. is, we discovered. I, I see how he could have that much confidence in what he was doing when, you know, your father's a co-founder of Pottery Barn. You have no, no obstacles in your way. Father is the co-founder of Pottery Barn, which he co-founded with his brother, but is also a musician, songwriter, music critic, and billboard reporter who went on to write songs in the 30s and 40s for Nat King Cole, The Ink Spots, Whoa. The Mills Brothers, and Rosemary Clooney. So, like, Lucas already had a foot in the door as far as I'm yeah, concerned. I mean, <laughs> if you look at it like that, like, it's perceived, like, take the lid off as, like, just, like, you know, let go of inhibitions and have a good time. Of course you can do that when your dad is this renaissance essentially the jay-z the danish jay-z if you will (laughs) that's really impressive i know you dropped that that bomb in the green room before we started uh and it does it does make me think of like maybe that's like a a dance music thing over the years because that's like i said like steve aoki's story you know he comes from the benihana family and you know a lot of people like paris hilton got really into djing and dance music at some point so maybe that's just like the natural trajectory Regardless of the decade, if your family is loaded with, you know, money from some really funny franchise, you you make dance music in some shape or form. He could have very easily made bad music. And I listened to his album today and he did all right. He did all right. You know, when you're in that situation and you have all of the advantages, be it money, connections. Catch the vibe. Yeah, you. but he, he caught the vibe, and I do give him credit for that. It's easy to hate on people that have those advantages. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the recent ones that I see is like Willow. Obviously, if you're Will Smith's daughter, you have every advantage in the world, but she actually made some pretty catchy <laughs> catchy yeah. songs. Like, I mean, some of them aren't that good. I'll, I'll give her that. But she has like Travis Barker playing drums yeah. on them. She, you know, she's making like kind of like pop punk music and, you know, it's some of it's not that good, but there are a few songs that are pretty good. And, you know, you have to decide, are you just going to hate on this because they had all the advantages or are you just going to listen to the song, listen to the melodies, the lyrics and see if it connects with you and be able to push that stuff aside and with lucas i had to do that despite the pottery barn 
the, the big party pottery barn push he got. The other thing that I do like about this song in most of Lucas's music, at least on the album Lucas Centric, I didn't check out his debut to wrap the world around you. It's my one of my favorite types of hip hop, which is like the heavy jazz influenced album. Um, sure. So like this song is built around a, a Benny Goodman song mm. called When Buddha Smiles. But like, and I think it makes sense that his dad wrote all of these songs in the 30s and 40s, like during that time period. But like, I love like Tribe Called Quest was big on the jazz yeah. influence beats. Like this, this song has a very weird reference point, but it it's almost like a blend of snow mixed yeah. with like soul coughing, if that makes yeah. any sense. Like those two worlds kind of coming together for me. But I, I'm into this song. I remember this song actually from Can't Hardly Wait. It's one of the songs that plays in the background at the party. And I became obsessed with downloading every song that was in the party scene from Karen Hardly oh, Wait yeah. so that one day I could throw a Can Hardly Wait party. You know, you mentioned the music video by Michelle Gundry. You know, I bought the the DVD of like all of his music videos. So I caught it on there and was like, this is awesome. This video is great. I, it's unbelievable to me that like there was just so much time in between thinking about this song. Like if for myself, I have to assume for culture at large. It's crazy that, like, to my knowledge, it didn't end up. It seems like one of those songs that would have ended up in like a like a Greg Gillis girl talk remix yeah. in like 2004. If you'd be like, oh my god, yeah, Lucas with the lid off. But I guess that you know, being on that uh, Gondry DVD was the, and I think the video just was so. You focus so much on the video at that point, you don't even really think about the song as much. But yeah, the fact that it was just scrubbed from my memory and apparently like a lot of the internet i did a little deep dive of course after watching a lot of these b-boy videos and i found a blog 80sbaby.net <laughs> which if you're not familiar 80sbaby.net just breaks down a lot of things from you know when we were children to teenagers and wow. there's does also kind of a similar format to the show where it's forgotten one hit wonders the author john bellancini kind of goes in like almost a conspiracy theory route that there was some intent and it almost makes sense with the Pottery Barn connection. If you think about, you know, just like big business and like the power that comes with that, it almost seems like there's an attempt to scrub this song from the internet, like in general. It's it's worth going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> there's some pretty interesting theories over at 80sbaby.net for sure. I don't know... <laughs> If this is our first episode that gets pulled for some reason, we will gladly join that conspiracy Absolutely. theory. Wow. <laughs> you know, did any of you, did either of you guys happen to watch the Summer of Soul documentary on Hulu? No. No. So the Summer of Soul, Questlove put this together, but right around the same time as Woodstock in New York, I think it might have been in Brooklyn, but they had this giant concert, something like, Half a million people went to it. And it was over the course of several weekends. And it was most of the most famous black artists of the time performed at this. And it was amazing. Like, the lineup is, like, unbelievable. You got to watch it. It's on, it's on Hulu. It's an amazing documentary. But so they filmed it. They filmed it on these amazing cameras. And the idea was to, like, put it out there in one form or another. But they never did. And they bar the tapes were put away and stored Whoa. somewhere went into storage and everyone just talked about Woodstock no one talked about the summer of soul so then this past year Questlove got a hold of the tapes and 
put together this documentary about it and he's showing the artists who performed at it and they're like crying. Mm -hmm. They're going, I can't believe all these people thought that this concert was just something like a false memory. Yeah. Something that happened and they're like, I haven't thought about it. And I thought that was just something I remembered that didn't happen because no one talks about it and no one. And it was never released. The, the, the film was never released. So when you watch a documentary, you're like, Oh my God, it's amazing. Could Lucas be the same sort of thing? Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, Considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Lucas with the lid off, is that what you experienced with this, Cody? I mean, it could go deep. It could be whether it's Google, whether it's the Danish government or something has kind of scrubbed this from easy access. But in in reading more into this, in John Bellancini's article here on <laughs> 80sbaby.net, I do remember this. So he brings up that it was there was a commercial with dancing blue jeans on a bus. That is also nowhere to be found and sounds like one of those like Levi's commercials or something that you remember from when you were a kid and whether it's a Mandela effect thing or not, like I definitely can picture this commercial with Lucas with the lid off playing in it and these dancing blue jeans. Because to me, the only life I could see for this song in modern times is on a commercial for some like really spicy potato chips or something, you know? And like, not even in a like nostalgic sense, just because it's a great song for yeah, some someone popping open a can of like pizza flavored Pringles and just dancing around their house as like they're munching on them. Eight thousand percent of your daily sodium intake would come from them, <laughs> right? Absolutely. No, it's, instead, instead of that, you know, I would have gladly welcomed Lucas with a lid off, but you know what they use instead of that, which is like 
the, the, the curse of my mine and my bandmates' life forever is that now on, on the Pringles Scorch or whatever, it's that light them oh, up, yeah. up, up, light them up. <laughs> and I'm like, that's just been like this running joke in my life is like, I, I need to be reminded of Fall Out Boy's success at all times. <laughs> even, even, even during a Pringles commercial, I need to be reminded at all. I don't know if it was Pringles or something, some kind of like spicy I food st- recently. I was. saw that commercial on repeat. My in-laws were here a few weeks ago and watched like uh, Spanish speaking cable TV, which is, which is pretty readily available here. And that commercial played twice a commercial break, I swear. And I texted, (laughs) I texted our mutual friend, Brendan, who obviously works, works for the band at their management crush. I was like, do you know about one of the biggest collabs of 2021? (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Out Boy Spicy Pringles collab. It's under the radar, but it's not for sure. Yeah, that's one of the sickest collabs. (laughs) One of the things to add to this whole thing is like, I remember Lucas with a lid off, of course. But I don't remember listening to it at the time, which is interesting because I had a friend at the time named Lucas. Yeah. Did you guys have a friend named Lucas growing up? We had a bad kid in our school, Lucas Luke Hmm. Duke Morrison. Um, And I probably equated the song a little bit with him because also like Lucas has this very distinct look that Chris, you can pull off. I certainly can't. I don't think Matt can. We don't really have the proper facial features to pull up, pull off the skull cap look. Oh, but Lucas <laughs> pulls it off so well that he mentions like one of the only decipherable lyrics is he says something about yeah. ba da skull cap. He says, strike the right chord and I'll wrap, wrap my skull cap electric until I blow my top off. Okay. That's a pretty sick. So one. That's the <laughs> and, rap, when... <laughs> and rap my lyrics. Yeah. So He's saying, I'll wrap, wrap my skull cap electric until I blow my top off and wrap my lyrics yeah. right around the global earlobes in orbit by fit. I make it fit because I'm here to knit myself together. Oh, yeah. In whatever split for my format. And after that, I never stay the same and treat defeat like a doormat to jump around. On. Yeah. And I think- I'm here to spread poetic confetti. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> open, open, open up your skull cap and let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it drain. So he's apparently anti skull cap, despite having a very skull cap friendly. <laughs> Uh, look but yeah. yeah i think luke duke the lucas at our school oh and there was also matt lucas who was also a pretty bad kid shout out matt lucas we just became facebook friends recently <laughs> also side note about matt lucas is one of the baddest things he did is uh as you know justin will who's done a lot of an amazing artist that we're we're friends with that has done a lot of art for for punchline matt lucas chopped up justin will's college art portfolio in the art room with oh one God. of the worst. Jeez. So talk, about, talk about the lid coming off gone down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Justin with the lid off, I can imagine. Lucas is still in music, though. Like, post this Good. song, he became a songwriter and producer. I don't think he ever successfully wrote, like, a hit song, but he worked with the Pussycat Dolls, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Tony Braxton, Whoa. and Mos Def. How do you not have a hit song with those people? <laughs> that actually makes me think he's doing a bad job. You know, I'll talk about my friend Lucas a little bit more if you guys Let's want. Let's hear about the Lucas in your life. The Lucas with the lid off in my life was I lost touch with him come college time. Maybe by my sophomore year of college, completely lost touch with Lucas. Maybe seen him once or twice in the many years since. But Lucas was my friend who had a giant basement in his house with a fridge in the basement that was always full of every drink that you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing basement where it was like its own house almost. Yeah. And his family was really nice. And I got to go to like 
Penguins games with him because he had season tickets. And his dad, or his dad ended up owning, I think he was the first owner of the Pittsburgh Riverhound soccer Whoa. team. Yeah. Damn. And, and Lucas also had a, I think it was a Ford Explorer that he drove extremely fast and like a crazy person. Yeah. And one time in the parking lot next to a Hollywood video, when it was snowy out, he was doing crazy donuts with us in the car and the police busted him doing crazy, insane donuts in the parking lot, the most dangerous thing ever. And the police officer came out so mad, obviously ready to like, arrest him or whatever we took his license and he brought it back and was just basically like don't do this again tell your dad i said hi wow <laughs> and the theme of privilege really follows yes lucas with the lid off's legacy in a yeah. in a tainting way in my opinion everything you said was the most ohio slash pennsylvania privilege story you've ever heard but, but also I, like know. ohio pennsylvania rich because like when i was a kid i thought like Whoa, so-and-so has a fridge in their A basement or B garage. That kid's rich. And I yeah. <laughs> that would lead me to believe like that kid's that kid's family could buy a soccer team. But like <laughs> little did I know the real like that that's just class warfare to begin with, because the real privilege and the real wealth was starting pottery barns. And their kids right. were, you know, having Top 20 kits, so it's pretty wild. <laughs> Question for the two of you, and I promise this does come back to Lucas. Did either of you grow up watching Bill Nye the Science Guy on PBS? I didn't. I met Bill Nye a couple years ago, and it was awesome. So, every episode of Bill Nye ended with a song parody that tied to whatever the lesson of the day was. I saw this. Lucas with a lid off was one of those songs, and it was a song about the climate and the song was called Weather the Weather. I don't know if we'll ever have another one hit wonder on this show that got a Bill Nye song parody. I know like Nirvana got one, Green Day got one, but usually it was heavy hitters. I wish I would have gotten that text about this song from from my friend Sean before briefly meeting Bill Nye because it would have really given me something to, to ask about <laughs> for sure. On the show this year, Tony, we want to start having segments that we regularly do, but I thought one of those segments should be who should cover this? Who would do Lucas with the lid off justice in 2022? Man. Well, we never got the girl talk remix with like, I don't know, like what's my age, age again, guitar or something over it. That <laughs> plays in my head. Yeah. Radiohead. Could Kendrick Lamar do a pretty oh, sick my Lucas with the lid off? Yeah. Kendrick with the lid off. Imagine him sampling this. I mean, his his rap would obviously be the best flow you've ever heard in your life. And damn that, I I hope we can will that into existence. That <laughs> yeah. would be unreal. Uh, I'm gonna throw a wild one out there. I, I I had to take a look at the list of some of the top artists from 2021, and then I saw one that jumped out at me. 
BTS. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I could see BTS K-pop all over this song. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I think, you know, I'm not one to speak on like the, the origins or specifics of B-boy culture, but I think there's some crossover, certainly. For I sure. I don't know what the approach to dancing to K-pop is, but I'd imagine mm. there's there's some crossover. I'd imagine at least a couple of BTS, maybe... Maybe Rap Monster? Maybe. I, maybe maybe he'd be considered a B-boy. So I have a friend who loves BTS, so I've been exposed to a lot of their songs over the last couple of years. So do I. It's Johnny. <laughs> one of their one of their best songs, in my opinion, is Mic Drop, and that song is built mm. around a sample. It's like a techno-y sample of Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott. Mm. I could see them doing something, taking that, the Lucas with a lid off, maybe like a couple of the samples, catch the vibe playing over and over again in the background. Like I don't think it would be like a direct cover but i think that they would pull enough pieces that you'd be like you know that's definitely lucas with a lid off that they're playing around with oh i can picture yeah. like just that that beat starting in like a sold out like forty-five thousand fan like soccer stadium somewhere and just people crying just being so psyched once that started. <laughs> like it was like one direction covered a teenage dirtbag by weedus yeah. i think it'd be like that times 50 i love it <laughs> Another segment that I wanted to start doing is unfair takes on the song. I don't know if I have any unfair takes on Lucas with a little because that usually is when you have some sort of negative opinion about a song, but it's very unfair that you do. I think the only unfair take that could possibly be classified against Lucas would be like tied to the, the pottery barn mm-hmm. yeah. stuff. Like, but we weren't we weren't holding that against him at no, all. No, no, no. But I, I think if there was anything that someone could say against him, it, it would be like, uh, like he didn't pay his dues. His dad paid his way into into his rap career or that's, whatever. That's fair. Do you think it's like a thing like a, there's obviously been a lot of criticism similarly for the Strokes who, you know, I think like Julian Casablanca's dad is like one of the biggest supermodel agents, which is the most yeah. 90s celebrity fit like rich thing you could be i feel like as the supermodels Dude, agent it's amazing that the strokes are a good band there's their backstory is so like the worst backstory you've ever heard on this band, could but. be the case with lucas though like the, the strokes committed to like a 40 hour a week like practice like very strict they treated it like full-time jobs which of course you can do when your dad's a, a, the biggest supermodel the agent thing. of the nineties, but maybe it was the same with Lucas. Maybe like, you know, his privilege really made him hunker down on his craft. And that's why we got exciting albums like Lucas centric. That's such a great thing to ponder is that we have never in our lives had the luxury of being able to only play music, only worry about music, not have to worry about a mm-hmm. single other thing in the world and only focus on that. Everybody I know, bandmates or whatever, we're hustling, we're trying to make money, pay our bills, do all this stuff. And like, yeah, if we can get some practices in or or have time to write a song and stuff, that's great. But it's it's a it's a struggle. But to have that luxury is a real leg up. But you also gotta respect that you could also just lay back and do nothing if you have that wealth you mm-hmm. could and i'm sure that there's oh, yeah. tons of people like that so if the strokes who all met when they were at the most expensive boarding school in switzerland <laughs> or something like that which is i think it's something along those lines like their backstory it's ridiculous you still had the drive to get together and make good songs like then 
I don't know. That would that would be unfair of me to not just listen to the song. Yeah. And the way it sounds and judge it purely on that. Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult to navigate, but think about did the two did the refrigerator in the garage or basement kids from your school go on to make is this it or Lucas centric even or did they do donuts in the Hollywood video parking lot and get away with it? Even bigger question, if Lucas or the Strokes grew up like we did, would they still have made that music? Is was it inevitable that they were going to make that music, or was it circumstances? I think they'd have great podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I think they just have really good podcasts. Yeah, maybe that's questions. It's probably unanswerable, but I guess yeah, that would be the most unfair take about Lucas. Is like he had every advantage in the world to be able to be able to make this song, and if that was his advantage, is this song even good enough? Should it? maybe be way better <laughs> probably it's it's a classic is this even a hit <laughs> type song like 29 is is i mean it's definitely in the top 40 which is more than any of the three of us have achieved for sure but even when i look at the songs that were charting higher than it like i didn't list all 28 of them but like there's a couple of them where i'm like sure, yeah. all right come on lucas you couldn't do better than the 69 boys tootsie roll like tootsie roll is timeless <laughs> keep in mind yeah no, I'm I'm glad that Tootsie Roll beat this Here song. Come the Hot sure. Stepper. Like that song fucking yeah. rules actually. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And I'll make love to you was the number one song at this time. So you weren't Oh you weren't beating that. I might backtrack on my this was a rough time for dancing take yeah. because it sounds like it was, it was a great, great time for dancing. Time dance. Here's a few of the other <laughs> dance hits. We had Craig Mack flavor in your ear was above this one. The real McCoy another night was happening around this time. Oh, oh damn. So, yeah, this is peak MTV the grind. This is this may have been like mm. dance's highest peak. <laughs> the biggest songs of the year were Ace of Base, The Sign, All for One I Swear, mm. and the aforementioned I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. So it was we were we were into either slow wow. dancing or fast dancing, but we were dancing for sure at this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like to dance. I would like to think that if I was a little bit older, maybe I could have been on MTV's The Grind, which would have been which would have been a pretty a pretty lofty goal, I'm sure. I but feel like whenever I think about the grind, I I blend it with MTV Spring Break, where it's the grind in the pool where they're standing on the giant foam gears. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, I used to tape the tape the entire MTV Spring Break <laughs> just so I could watch it. Like MTV Spring Break was such a important thing to me. <laughs> I I just loved it. Did you ever buy any of the grind CDs? No. Or like, was it MTV Party to Go? They used to put out these CDs and it was like MTV Party to Go. And, it, you know, you made, you made the reference to, to Girl Talk, but it was yeah. the same concept of like, this CD don't stop. Like, there's like no break. Yeah. It's just like the beat keeps going in the background of one song until it bleeds into the next song. Dude, I made, I made a playlist at, at one point when <laughs> that was to have a October soup party where everyone brings a different soup to the party the music that would have been playing at this thing it's only seven songs it's all around the world by lisa stansfield finally by cc peniston <laughs> i want to call her cc peniston 100 pure love by crystal waters touch me all night long by kathy dennis 
Buffalo Stands by Nina Cherry, Rhythm is a Dancer by Snap, nice. and Naughty Girls Need Love Too by Samantha Fox, which would have all been songs that you could hear on the grind. Yeah, why are these soup songs so horny? Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know, something about soup put me, <laughs> the, the mixture of soup and club songs from the early 90s just, uh, yeah, I don't know. So so here's what would have made it onto. I wanted to check again as we're talking about if 1994 was the year of the dance or not. So I checked out what was on the 1994 Party to Go compilation, which was the fourth of the Party to Goes. These were the ten tracks that they thought this is the party that will never end when you and your friends come over. It kicks off with Red Hot Chili Peppers "Give It Away," which <laughs> not not really a club jam that I'm thinking of. Uh, gets into TLC's Baby, Baby, Baby mm. that bleeds into In Vogue's My Lovin', You're Never Gonna Get It, Naughty by mm. Nature's Hip Hop Hooray, Das Effects, They Want Effects, End Too Deep, Back to the Hotel, Crisscross Jump, Rhythm is a Dancer, Snap, Supermodel, You Better Work by RuPaul, and then The Night is Wrapped Up by KWS, Please Don't Go. Wow. Damn. Okay. That's that's pretty stacked. The Red Hot Chili Peppers kickoff is a weird choice, but everything else I'm pretty on board with. Did everyone just like totally flee out, like <laughs> get naked, put on a bass and, and dance around like flee? Yeah. <laughs> did you did you watch the Woodstock '99 doc? Oh yeah. Did you enjoy Flea's dick? <laughs> Plenty of it I in mean, there. It, it seemed a little like okay. Yeah, we already we, know. That. Yeah, we know. We know he has yeah. one. We. It, it, I just can imagine when they're editing that together there's no way everyone wasn't cracking up like you got it you got to put no, there was some like there. flea's one of the most iconic penis showers in rock music history <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this cannot be removed from the documentary <laughs> let's let's first show flea's penis and then make it seem like red hot chili peppers caused all this chaos by by playing fire anyway lucas with the lid off Thunder or blunder is the ultimate question. It's tough because I think there's a lot of things about the song that are complete nonsense. But I got to go to quote my man Dan Reynolds from the band Imagine Dragons, Thunder. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the song Lucas with a lid off. I didn't hate the songs that I heard on his album. But I also have to bring up something that Tony pointed out, which is like, if you're somehow producing songs for britney spears pussycat dolls christina aguilera tony braxton and most deaf but your wikipedia can't name a single song that you worked with them yeah. on because they're all not notable songs i'm i'm thinking that while the song is a thunder i think that overall lucas might might be a bit of a blunder here oh so it comes down to me yeah well let me weigh this i gotta i gotta weigh the factors so he had every advantage in the world, but I did have a friend named Lucas in high school. <laughs> Who I assume didn't chop up any of your other really good friends' art school portfolios. No, no. So your friend Lucas typically kept his lid on. Oh, no, no. I would, <laughs> say, I would say that the Lucas I knew had his lid off and okay. especially driving. Driving, he would drive as fast as possible. Definitely... <laughs> Definitely risked my life many times riding in the car with him. So that kind of evens out. The song itself, I like the song. Yeah, I catch the vibe. It had a great music video, Gondry. Then he didn't do anything. And then he had the whole conspiracy of being almost scrubbed. I had to watch like a 12 DPI version of the video on Vimeo. 
that someone had illegally uploaded. So as Lucas would say, whatever bubbles up out your head, spread the vibes and illuminate the sky. And I think that's a sign that this is thunder all the way. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophelios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing a beautiful green off the Punchline album, Action. Visit punchline.com for future Punchline shows, releases, and merchandise. We're on Patreon. Visit us at patreon.com backslash O-H-T podcast for bonus material, early access to episodes, and a chance to help decide what songs we should discuss in future episodes. Do you want to hear your song on the show or have any interest in sponsoring an episode? Contact me at matt at geekscape.net for our rates. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Chris and I can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com.